This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio direction we're going to become extinct in fact in some cases we're close to being extinct right now presented by the law offices of pond lee hockey giordano talk listen and speak to the region's most influential leaders it's saturday night live with philly labor Good Saturday night, everyone, and welcome into Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, along with J. Doc. I'm Joe Krause as we come to you here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We continue our commitment uh, to the entire union community to be J. Doc live every Saturday night during this craziness as uh, we continue to try and spread uh, information, education, and also talk to the labor leaders from around the Delaware Valley every Saturday night here on 1210. Yeah, Joe, I mean, you know, we've talked about it many times. Uh, Thank God uh, Talk Radio gives us the opportunity to be able to bring the show into everybody's homes. Uh, You know, whether we're we're, uh, in the studio or calling in, and tonight we have an awesome show. It's uh, an all-star labor leader uh, special, and uh, certainly we need our leaders. Uh, We need information. And tonight is going to be an awesome example of that. Yeah, we thank everybody for tuning in every Saturday night and joining us for Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor. As J-Doc said, it's a uh, all-star labor leader special tonight for the next hour. John McNesby, president, uh, FOP Lodge Number 5, will kick us off. Joe Williams, business manager at the International Union of Elevator Constructors Local 5, uh, will be with us during the show. Bill Ross will join us at the bottom of the hour, uh, the executive director of the News Guild, and then Kathy Scott, President DC uh, 47, will be with us to finish it up. We may also, uh, during the hour, J. Doc, uh, talk with the President of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding. Uh, based on his availability tonight, he may join us uh, for a short uh, conversation uh, as well. I'll let the listening audience know we are uh, continuing to do this live show, uh, doing our social distancing uh, broadcasting from multiple uh, locations around the Delaware Valley. With that, we bring in John McNesby, and we welcome him in to Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. John, a good Saturday night, sir. Thank you very much for joining myself and J-Doc. My pleasure, guys. How are you? We're good, John, and and we we really appreciate your time. I know you guys got a lot going on. And having said that, um, you know, these these are absolutely uncertain times, but what is certain is that our, our men in blue are going to be there for us, our men and women in, in blue. Uh, how are things on the front lines? Well, I mean, first of all, I, I, you know, nobody could have planned or, or be prepared for anything to this magnitude. So with that being said, we, you know, we're out there every day, day in, day out, day out 24 hours a day. Uh, in the beginning, it was a little rough. We had, you know, we were very short on equipment, uh, manpower, sanitizing, uh, um, gel and, and masks and, and the whole, you know, the whole litany of uh, list of things that we needed. But, uh, you know, it's starting to uh, smooth out a little bit now where the supplies are are, uh, are more readily available. Uh, and I think they got a plan that, that's now down pretty good with the city to be able to 
deploy the officers in such a way where we're not on top of each other. And uh, we're using more caution when responding to uh, to emergency situations as far as, uh, you know, different houses and so forth. We're bringing the, the parties outside uh, rather than going inside and putting ourselves in danger. So we're learning a lot here. And I think one good thing is when this is done, there'll be some sort of a national policy uh, where we could sit down and critique what we've done compared to other places and maybe come up with a better uh, uh, a better plan for the future. Uh, God forbid if this needs to happen again, uh, we could put this in place real quick. So uh, it's 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 learning on the on the curve, uh, and we're just moving forward uh, day in and day out. And hopefully this uh, flattens out, and you know we can move on and open up and to get back to some some sort of normalcy. And and the thing is. John, you know, you, we all hear social distancing and all those things. And being a police officer is hard enough. And you're going, you know, every time you go out the door, you're risking your life. Um, and you know, and those can be in very extreme situations. Now, you're when you're a police officer, sure, you know. And I don't know what the policy is if if if, if you're even allowed to wear masks. But even if you're wearing a mask, you know, you break up a, a disturbance, a regular disturbance, and your and your life is on the line. You're not allowed to social distance when you're in a situation like that. What what are the sentiments of of, of the men and women? Um, you know, knowing that every time they walk out the door, it's hard enough as it is. But now, even the simplest of situations can be can be you know life changing. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. We don't we don't have the ability to choose uh, pick and choose what we respond to or how people react. So we just have to be on the ball and ready to go. Um, unfortunately. Early on, we did lose one of our members to uh, to this disease, and um, you know he will be carried in the line of duty and with full honors. Um, and and you know that kind of like rocked the police department, sort of, and uh, you know put us back on our heels. But I think uh, you know we 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 just watch each other. Uh, we do wear the masks. Um, unfortunately, we have uh, some knuckleheads out there that choose to. To, to go that extra step and try and attack the officers, uh, knowing that they have it. Uh, and that's, uh, that's quite uh, alarming there. Um, but again, we're out there doing the job and, uh, we're watching each other's back. We're social distancing as much as possible, staggering shifts and doing what we need to do to, uh, to make it home to our families. So we're out there not only protecting our, our community, but we want to go home safe to the families and protect them from this disease also. John McNesby joining us here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, John, Friday uh, lunch hour at City Hall uh, was the first push in the city of Philadelphia uh, to get back to some sort of normalcy, to get back open. And these, uh, this sentiment is not only in Philadelphia, you're seeing it in other uh, major cities, you're seeing it in small towns. And I, I feel as though the push puts the uh, officers uh, in a tough position. Um, they sh- are, do they struggle with um, enforcing... Um, what people are allowed to do during this COVID-19 versus what people have a right to do. What's your thought on that? Well, I think that, first of all, I think the city should suspend any permits for uh, for any kind of protest or any kind of demonstration during this time. They shouldn't be granted, uh, and they shouldn't be allowed to happen until uh, we, we have some kind of normalcy or they're starting to open back up. 
it puts everybody in danger, not only the people that are out there protesting. Uh, they may not know who they're protesting with, and they may have it. Uh, and it puts our officers in danger because they have to go out there not only to protect the community, they got to protect the protesters also. So uh, it's a, it could be a recipe for disaster. So I think that what you need to do is just make sure you're diligent in your duties and make sure that, uh, you, you know, we don't have a choice to pick and choose what we enforce. Uh, and that's key. So we have to enforce what's put in front of us. And uh, sometimes that's not pretty. Uh, but I think that they should suspend all those things um, and, and we can move forward to, to open up quicker than, uh, you know, than expected. Yeah. And, and at the beginning of this whole thing, we, you know, they had that debacle in regards to, uh, I guess, the the uh, the letter that was sent out. You know, we, you know, you guys were put in such a terrible position. Uh, when, when, uh, I forget exactly what the actual situation was, but evidently there was a memo by the new commissioner on what uh, police, you know, what what uh, end of, you know, I guess they were giving out citations and and and, and whatever the situation was, it um, it would put police in a difficult situation because it almost seemed like, you know, if you're a criminal, <laughs> you can almost get away with with everything. Is that is that um, no longer uh, a, a situation? In other words, has that been remedied? That situation. Well, yeah, it has been, and I think that that was a stumble. I don't think it was portrayed the way it was meant. And uh, you know, we're not going to just throw our hands up and let you know, you know, right. as much as uh, you know. I mean, crime is already on the rise here. We have uh, the murder uh, rate is is just too high. We just had a recent shooting a couple minutes ago, uh, an officer involved shooting, and we have a DA that doesn't like to put anybody in jail. Uh, right. That being said, uh, that being said, I mean. That was, uh, you know, we're not. We were going to just identify fingerprint uh, on on the on the most minor cases, uh, and everybody else would be going and you know be taken into custody as as normal. Um, the fact that um, bringing you know possible COVID related uh, uh, people into police divisions puts everybody at harm, and uh, nobody really wants that. So um, I think it's been rectified. It's been clarified, and and. People are being arrested, and uh, just hopefully, uh, the, the way the city's going, we need to we need to dial it back on the crime, the shootings, and, and get a handle on this. I mean, let the police go back and start doing their jobs again, and uh, and and they can knock off all this nonsense, especially with summertime coming. John McNesby, John McNesby, joining us here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. I'm going to keep John uh, involved in the conversation. Uh, I'm going to bring Pat Eiding, president of the AFL-CIO, uh, into the conversation as well for just a brief couple of minutes. He's joining us uh, on the other line and joins us now. Pat, a good Saturday night uh, to you. I'm, br- I'm dropping you right into the middle of our conversation uh, with John McNesby, so uh, I'm glad you were able to jump on for just a couple of minutes tonight. Appreciate it, sir. Welcome into the show. Thank you, Joe. And uh, listen, I'm honored to be on with John. I appreciate all the work he does. He's a great leader and a good friend. Hi, John. Pat, how are you, my friend? Good. So, so Pat, you know, obviously it's great to have both you guys on. How, how are, uh, give us a, a, a status of, of uh, just labor, what the sentiments are right now as, as our workforce is starting to go back to work slowly but surely. Well, I, I think you you have to start off with what what's happened to get us to this point. I think, Joe and Joe, we, you know, uh, we've had a tremendous uh, need for folks that are out there in the front lines all the time, and and uh, that hasn't changed very much. So even though we see parts of the state of Pennsylvania opening up and what they're doing around the country, 
our frontline people, our nurses and our folks in, in home home care and our folks at home in nursing homes, and they're, they're still fighting to get the proper kind of uh, safety equipment, the P- PPE. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk about uh, from the from that goofy guy in the White House about how, re- how there's so much out there. If there's so much out there, why aren't the nurses at the big hospitals here in Philadelphia? Why are some of those nurses having to use the same mask over and over? And why are they getting, there's a nurse in New Jersey got fired for bringing her own NR, N95 in uh, because she wasn't so comfortable with the kind of equipment she was getting. They're getting these KN95s, which are substandard to what is what is needed for what the work they're doing. And, uh, you know, we sit folks from 1199C, they're out in nursing homes and places like that. I have my own experience with an LPN who's a niece of mine. Her her husband's quite older than her and uh, uh, evidently brought it home because uh, he got sick in five days. He was gone. Uh, and that's relative to, to, you know, the cry that's out there constantly about, you know, make sure these folks have the equipment they need. You know, uh, I'm a construction worker. I couldn't I couldn't do my job and nobody else in construction didn't have the tools to do it. Nobody does it with osmosis. And you know that issue is still going on, and I, you know, I, I wanted to make sure I got that out of there. You know, we're we're fortunate. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to keep my office open. Uh, my gang is working from home, but because of you know 21st century technology, we're able to keep communications and get the message out when folks need something, and and uh, maybe even once in a while give an attaboy out. But uh, we've been able to keep it open and and, and try to do what we can. Uh, I want to give a, a lot of credit to the, to the heads of the building trade unions because. Uh, they approach the uh, the work in the construction industry here in Philadelphia. Unlike New York and New Jersey, no disrespect to them, they make their own decisions. But if you recall, from the very onset, they were continuing their construction. And here in Philly, when, when they started to see some of these jobs that were, were working weren't being done in a proper, safe manner, they, they pulled their people. They wanted, their, their primary concern, as much as everybody wants to go to work, is they wanted to be able to have them come home in the same safe manner they went to work in. And, you know, the reports you're going to get someday, and maybe you won't, but I get them because of my counterparts in New York and New Jersey. Many, many construction workers came down with the virus right away because there was no there was no uh, guidance. There was no safety stuff. There were no temperature gauges, none of that stuff. So uh, I know John Docherty, the head of the building trades, and, and all the leaders at the building trades uh, have been in constant contact with each other. I know because I'm part of that as being the secretary-treasurer. And the first thing that they wanted to address was if their workers are going to go on these jobs, as much as they need to work, they're either going to go safe or they're not going to go. And and they put the first sabbatical and they put the first two year stop, two excuse me, two week stop, uh, until folks in the uh, construction industry, the developers and the general contractors, started to look at this in a different way. And then subsequently, not that we didn't have any any uh, folks get sick. But it was a, a heck of a lot better approach than just letting everybody go out there with no restrictions. So hats off to the, the heads of the building trades. They did a great job, not only for uh, the folks who were out there on the job, but folks who would be bringing that home to their family. So, um, you know, the, the unions in Philadelphia are doing an awful lot of stuff they don't see. You know, the transportation people, uh, listen, I, I don't know why uh, the heads of SEPTA said, okay, we'll we'll let them go on the buses without masks. I think that was a silly silly mistake because – uh, these folks are they're trapped in those conditions, and and uh, having somebody with wear a mask is the least inconvenience you can ask somebody to do. Of course, we're we're seeing that go on crazy anyway. 
But I mean, there's so yeah. many, so many labor folks are out there. Folks that go out and inspect the jobs. They work for the city. You know, these these ladies and gentlemen come out picking up your trash every week. I mean, they're 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 in the toughest area you can be in getting some of this virus. And so, I had a I, my my few minutes of fame here, Joe. I had a I had a talk about you know the the labor unions in Philadelphia and the labor and the union workers of Philadelphia are doing as good a job as you can get, and I think it's going to show that the results of that are good for for the city and the other folks who don't realize, who may be foolish enough to think they're going to change anything by going out there waving an American flag and probably aren't doing anything to help anybody else. Pat, you're a radio pro, man. Thanks so much for uh, jumping on. Before we say goodbye to you, John, let me give you last word. We have thir- we have about 40 seconds until uh, we get to the break, and then I'll say goodbye to you both. But first, John McNesby, let me come to you just for your closing thought. Well, we appreciate the support out there from the community. Uh, and Pat hit it right on the head. I mean, in the beginning, there's there's no, there's not enough equipment out there, um, and and we have to be better prepared if this this takes place in the future. Maybe uh, everybody get together once this calms down and come out with some kind of idea or policy how we can all coordinate better. Uh, I know we uh, with SEPTA and all with the, they fumbled the ball with taking some people off of there earlier. Um, you know, that we're disorderly and stuff like that. I mean, we have to proceed with caution. You're right. We have to keep each other safe, and we have to go home safe to our families every night. So we appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to protecting you and the community. Good stuff from uh, John McNesby joining us uh, here tonight, uh, and also Pat Eiding uh, jumping in on a Saturday night, a rare live appearance for Pat Eiding. Pat, thank you so much uh, for uh, giving us that opportunity to jump on. And John McNesby, uh, we salute you. We salute all the men, all the men and women in blue. Well done by you as well. You know, it you. took a pandemic to get me here. Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, this is Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Jay Doc and I will continue uh, with our Labor Leader Roundtable on Saturday night. Back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by Plumbers Local 690, Ironworkers Local 401, and SEIU Local 32BJ. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. And back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Special thanks to John McNesby, president uh, of FOP Lodge Number 5, and of course Pat Eiding, president of the AFL-CIO, uh, joining us. A great lineup of, sh- of guests still to come. Bill Ross will be with us. Kathy Scott uh, will be with us. Uh, and certainly not the, be- uh, n- not the best for last. He's joining us right now. Joe Williams, business manager, International Union. Union of Elevator Constructors Local 5. We welcome him in to Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Joe, thank you so much, man, for coming on the show. Uh, You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Hey, Joe, how are you, buddy? Good. So listen, um, tell us us what the status is of of, uh, your members right now, the Elevator Constructors, members working, members not working. What's going on? Well, right right now we have 7% of our membership is out of work, which is down when this thing started, the, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. We went from full employment to about 15% of our members unemployed. 
So things have gotten better as the construction jobs started opening back up. Uh, our local also covers maintenance and service elevators. Uh, we service the elevators. So a lot of our members, probably about 20% of our members working in maintenance and repair are working reduced hours. Their hours have all been cut by about 20%. Um, so it's it's affected us pretty pretty rough, but we're getting through it. One of the good things with our trade and our union is, you know, even with, with our members being put out of work, for a couple, you know, maybe a couple of months, we've we've been they've been able to keep their health care benefits going, so it hasn't been a huge struggle for them. Now, having said that, you know, you guys work inside and outside. Um, what is the what is the um, percentage of of um, individuals working, you know, inside jobs uh, as per outside jobs? It's about 50% of our members work, on, you know, inside. That would be our service end of our trade. Uh, they go into all the different buildings and maintain the elevators, repair them. When they break down, get people out when they're stuck. And the, the other 50% work in new construction where they're building and installing the elevators. And another 25% to 30% maybe of the inside guys are, are modernizing elevators. <clears throat> You know, so having said that, building at fifty-year-old elevators, and they want to upgrade a part. We send crews in to do that. Sure, and and so having said that, um, and you know what are you know a lot of, a lot of, uh, of the unions, you guys were you, you guys in Philly were, were quick to jump on this and obviously um, you know stop the jobs. But at this point, uh, before that happened, have any of your members contracted the virus? We've had two confirmed cases of. Uh, members that contracted it was early on in the, in the onset of the, the virus coming in. Uh, we've had a few other members that have probably had the case or had, were, had the virus, but didn't, it wasn't bad enough. They can, they self quarantined and stayed home under mm-hmm. doctor's directions. But, but two of our members actually ended up in the hospital. And just this week, one of our retirees came down with it and he's in the hospital right now. So you guys, so 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 with the labor leadership, especially in the building trades and across Philadelphia, um, the sentiment early in the game was obviously to protect your members. You accredit, you accredit that you know reaction time, you know being so expeditious to the fact that we've had uh, minimal, obviously minimal deaths. We've had a couple. I know that. But um, we've been pretty effective in fighting this thing. Um, do you do you accredit that to to, to um, a, a quick reaction time? Yes, definitely. The, the way the Philadelphia building trades and Johnny Doc has been great, bringing us all together. We've had uh, every other day we have a conference call with the trades, and the, the trades are in, overall were very aggressive in putting standards out there, making if jobs. We, even if we just thought there was a, a problem or a case on a job, we shut the jobs down, you know, just to be safe. And I think that definitely helped us keep the numbers low. I can't speak for how many people the other trades have had, you know, infected, but I, I do think it, it helped us keep that down a great deal. 
Talking with Joe Williams here on Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor. Joe is the business manager of the International Union of Elevator Constructors, Local 5. Uh, we're here on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. Uh, Joe, at this point in time on this Mother's Day weekend, can you see the end? Can you see at this point what the, what the future will look like for your workers, for the members, in terms of three months from now, uh, four months from now? And I know it's kind of a strange question, but I'm just wondering if the new norm is going to be masks and gloves and constant social distancing. Well, I think the construction, I mean, Philadelphia was booming before this hit and the jobs are still there. They're, they're going to continue to work on them. We'll just have, you know, the Philadelphia building trades has, has really been setting the standard for the whole country on the protocol and procedures to keep our members safe. So I think construction will continue. It's a little bit challenging for, for my trade in that, we'll, you know, the social distancing is hard. We, we work usually on a platform or on top of the elevator, so we're in a closed area. And it's a little tough to keep six feet apart, but we'll wear masks, we'll get face shields. Our employers should be giving us all of that, you know, PPE that we need. My concern for my trade is the service end of it. You know, we service all the hotels in the city, our, our union elevator constructors keeping those elevators running, and I just don't know that, they're going to be opened up and, and filling up and needing the service, requiring the service that we were used to giving them. I think it's going to be a slow return to to what we were before this pandemic hit I mean, as far as the service. Then. But I think we'll be okay for the next couple months in construction when we, as we you know finish up and man all these jobs that we, we had before this. Well, Joe, listen, man, we want to, um, you know, thank you for what you're doing for your members and, and for being a great part of our leadership here in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, you know, when you hear uh, that your union has had, you know, two individuals contract the virus and, and uh, one of the retirees, um, yeah, it's, you know, one is too many. But, man, that's an, it's awesome that, that, um, that you guys reacted so quickly to keep everybody safe. I want to thank you for joining us here tonight. It's been, by the way, a long time coming. You and I have been trying to schedule this. <laughs> We've been trying to do this for a while. Like Pat Iding said, it took a pandemic, right? But um, at Jay Doc, we should have told Pat and John McNesby we should have seated them and and given Joe more time, which means you're going to have to schedule them again, no doubt. I mean, it's a done deal. I'd be happy. Um, I'd be happy to come back on. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate your time, man. Great. Thank you, guys. Keep up the good work. Uh, thank you, buddy. Good stuff from Joe Williams joining us here on Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor. Fast, quick show tonight as we uh, bring you rapid fire uh, uh, many labor leaders tonight on the show. We'll get to a commercial break. On deck, Bill Ross, Executive Director, uh, Newspaper Guild. Kathy Scott will finish it up tonight. uh, Both ahead. Back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are brought to you by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Ironwork Workers Local 405 and Steamfitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. This 
Saturday Night Live with Philly Laborers. We come to you live on a Saturday night. The stars are out in full uh, tonight. Bill Ross now uh, jumping in on the hotline along with Jay Doc and Joe Krause. This is Saturday Night Live. Hey, Bill. How are you, buddy? All right, Joe. And Joe, how are you both? Well, we're doing good. And obviously, um, we've... You know, our shows, you know, there's a new norm, and, and God knows what the new norm's going to be for everybody going down the road, but the new norm has been calling in, and so our shows, uh, you know, must must go on, and we're, we're happy to bring the broadcast, but, um, and, and we a lot of talk, obviously, about COVID-19, uh, but at the end of the day, um, when it, it hits home, when it, when, when it happens to a uh, the family member of, of, of one of our brothers, and that I'm talking about you, and if you would... Bill, and first of all, our condolences for the loss of your brother. And number two, if you would, tell our listeners about George Ross. Well, thank you both. Um, George was uh, a photographer, uh, in, mostly in New York City, um, well-known around the country, uh, 60 years old, uh, father of two kids, uh, rather healthy, and came down with COVID-19 on March 16th. Uh, he went to the emergency room after he wasn't feeling well. He was tested a couple days earlier by his regular doctor. They suspected he had the symptoms, but they couldn't get the test back right away. Uh, went to the emergency room on the 16th of March and uh, sadly passed away on March 30th, uh, where where nothing worked uh, to bring him back. He was on, I think, both of the uh, both of the the drugs that they're testing, and uh, he was intubated. Right away when he went in, he had double pneumonia, and um, he just couldn't pull out of it. It's that it's that scary and it's that deadly, and that's why everybody really needs to to take it as seriously as they can because it, it is no joke. And, and Bill, you know it's amazing because um, the last time we communicated before we learned about that, you were coming on the show. We were going to be talking about telemedicine. And, um, you know, we got the message from you, but we didn't know it was your brother. And, and, and so when, when we had talked to you, um, I guess I talked to you, uh, you know, not long after that, and, and, and things seemed to be going okay, even up to the day, uh, you know, that he passed. Uh, right. Tell us about that. Yeah, um, the hospital. And, and just a, a quick shout out to all the frontline workers and, and my members who have uh, kept us all informed and, and the frontline workers who have kept us all safe, the, the hospital workers that, you know, took care of my brother for over two weeks, um, night and day, uh, by his bedside. Uh, the, the worst part, you know, about this is you can't be with your loved one when they're sick. We weren't allowed to go to the hospital. Uh, weren't allowed to go to a funeral home after he passed away. That's what's the hardest part of this whole thing. And, um, you know, every day the hospital called us for the two week periods that he was getting better. Um, you know, his blood pressure was good. His oxygen was good. And even up to the day that he passed away, they told us uh, he was off the ventilator and they were going to thinking about giving him dinner. And at five o'clock that evening, his daughter called me to tell me he passed away. And, um, you know, it still doesn't feel real. It, it feels like we're kind of in the twilight zone. Yeah, because you, like you said, you, you can't spend the time with your loved one when they're when they're sick, and you couldn't have a service. Correct. Correct. I mean, it's yeah. and 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 when the, and you had said to me earlier today that you will eventually have a service, but um, it seems and, and I know it, it's so unfair 
for that to happen, number one. And then number two, not to be able to celebrate his life because, like you had said, he had a ton of friends. Uh, and, and you guys, what was it? What did you used to do on, was it friends, you know, uh, Friendsgiving or something like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, every every year his girlfriend, uh, Kathy and George, would have um, uh, probably about 30 friends over the week, the weekend uh, after or the weekend of Thanksgiving. So after Thursday, it was usually on that Sunday um, and had over, you know, 30 people over uh, just for dinner and to talk and to have drinks and to socialize. And it was Something we and look I, forward and I heard to every Billy year. Glasses would stop over on occasion. <laughs> Billy Glasses would make an appearance with his uh, his magic uh, his <laughs> magic box and uh, and make things disappear. Besides, the that's church, awesome. But, uh, so it was yeah, a high budget party. It was it was a fun event that I. It's a really fun event that that I will. I hope we can keep going somehow, and maybe in his honor. I'm hoping this year possibly that we could we could continue it because it was something he really enjoyed doing for his yes. friends. And, and like I, like I said to you earlier, or maybe I didn't, after he passed away, a, a childhood friend from kindergarten, my brother's friend from kindergarten called me, you know, he kept friendships, you know, for, for his whole life. And that tells you, you know, what kind of person he was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speak. Uh, having said that, we got about two minutes, Bill, <laughs> if you would, um, and I mean, tell us about the story you told me about earlier today about the miracle oh, in the metal van. No, it's, it's pretty amazing that the morning that my brother passed away uh, on the Anthony Gargano show, I believe they had Herm Edwards on celebrating the 41st anniversary of the first miracle at the Meadowlands. Um, when Herm Edwards picked up a fumble and the Eagles won with a few minutes, a few seconds left on the clock. Uh, my brother and I were at that game. I was about 10, and he was probably 18 with my dad. And my dad wanted to leave with three minutes left because the Giants were winning. They were diehard Giants fans, and they figured they had the game in the bag. And in the parking lot, we heard the, the crowd roar, and my dad put the radio on and listened to the, 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 you know, the fiasco. And the whole ride home, which was about 20 minutes, he cursed and hit the steering wheel and and I and, and I teased my brother every year about that because ironically he lived right close to the Meadowlands um, and the Jets who are my team hired Herm Edwards to be their coach at one point so it's just this, this ongoing joke for over 40 years we talked about it every year and the morning you know he passed away Herm Edwards was on and I told the story later that day to a sports writer at the Philadelphia Inquirer a good friend of mine, and um, uh, he couldn't believe it. You know, he loved the story. And about an hour later, I got an email from Herm Edwards um, wow. from Arizona Arizona State University coach, uh, you know, telling me just how nice it was and to remember the memories and, and that your brother is still here. And uh, he signed at Herm Edwards, Philadelphia Eagles. And um, I emailed him back, and I just told him how – that was unbelievable, you know, that he would take the time out to do that. So, Bill, Bill Ross joining us here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Billy, stay right, uh, stay right there. Herm, Ed Herm Edwards is uh, one of the true, true, uh, real people uh, in this world. Uh, uh, just so you can uh, relive that moment in George's honor, uh, stay right there and enjoy this 40 sure. seconds of audio. And the Eagles out of timeouts. As the clock winds out on the Philadelphia Eagles, a game they thought would project them into a possible wild card position that they won. 
Under 30 seconds left of the game. Pazarczyk can just fall on the football and there is nothing the Eagles can do. And Pazarczyk fumbles the football. It's picked up by Herman Edwards. 15, 10, 5, touchdown Eagles. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. The miracle at the Meadowlands to me is a worse play. How about that, Bill? Is that incredible? Wow. That is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Yeah. So we, well, what a memory. All, we want to thank you for calling in. I know it's such a difficult time. You know you're a brother to us. We love you're a veteran of the show. We love having you on. And and on behalf of uh, Krause and I, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to you and your family. Um, you know, I, I certainly uh yeah, this is not a day I go don't that that doesn't go by and I don't think about it. And so uh whatever you need, buddy, we're here for for you. God bless you, my friend. I, I appreciate it. Thank you both for having me on. And like I said, please be safe and uh, just take care of your families. That's all that matters today. And uh, really, thank you. We both. love you, buddy. All thank right. you. Love you guys. Thank all you. Right. Good stuff from Billy Ross checking in here tonight on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Uh, as we roll along on a Saturday night with the live show, uh, when we come back, Kathy Scott from DC 47. We'll finish it up back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by IOTC Local 8, District 1199C, and the Newspaper Guild. The right-wing conservatives don't have to drive themselves crazy. They can walk there. <laughs> God bless you. And back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We thank everybody for tuning in uh, and being a part uh, of the live show tonight, Jay Doc. Quick, uh, fast hour tonight. And again, nice to have uh, our full lineup tonight. Touching segment with Bill Ross uh, over, the lo- over the loss of his brother, uh, George. Um, we transition now into our final segment. Best for last tonight, Kat. Kathy Scott, President, District Council 47, uh, joining us. Uh, I think perhaps, Kathy, for the very first time live on Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor, uh, welcome into the show. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. It's great to have you, Kathy. Uh, and certainly, uh, I know you're busy, so we'll, we'll get right uh, right to it. And You represent, I think, 11 White Collar City Unions um, and throughout this entire thing. How How is this situation uh, affected your members, and, and particularly in a diverse way, because I know so many of the, the different uh, unions you know, cover so many different areas. Well, our union has really been impacted a lot. We have a tremendous number of uh, members who have been determined essential, doctors, nurses, physicians, assistants, medical technologists, all in the health department. We have social workers who investigate child abuse and neglect in DHS. All of our members at the prisons have been declared essential, and unfortunately, we did have one member, Troy Hughes, who passed away from the coronavirus. Um, So our members have really been tremendously impacted by this. And you're handling a lot of um, individuals who, uh, you know, work with technology. Is technology impacted, you know, are are their workers also working remotely? Yeah, well, the city has really not prepared itself for remote working, and that has been a serious problem, which has forced a lot of people to go onto the work site as opposed to being able to work remotely from home. But we do have a lot of uh, technology people. 
um, programmer, programmer analysts. Um, uh, we also have um, in the police department uh, forensic scientists as well as research analysts. But again, they're working uh, in the labs and um, at work because the city is not really set up to operate remotely. Kathy Scott joining us here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Kathy is the president of District Council 47. Patty, or uh, Kathy, let me go off script for a moment and let me ask you to um, weigh in tonight uh, for the last couple of minutes uh, about your thoughts um, as this craziness unfolds and changes. Uh, sometimes it seems like minute by minute, certainly sometimes day by day, uh, things just continue to change. Well, yes, it's a very unsettling circumstance. I mean, uh, people don't know uh, when things are going to um, open up, and that is a great concern. Um, You know, I see people walking around the street who still aren't wearing masks, and uh, I don't think there's a real understanding that those masks not just protect them, but they protect the other people that they're coming into contact with. And so I think as long as people don't really take the safeguards that they should, um, it's delaying our ability to really get this uh, virus under control. Kathy, what about the the, um, the safety equipment and, and the preparation there um, with your workforces in the diverse areas? Uh, have most of the employers been prepared uh, and, and provided the proper safety equipment? No, no, absolutely. We had to fight to get protect uh, personal protective equipment even in the health department they were not prepared they didn't have gowns uh distributed for our um nurses and doctors um at the prisons uh the inmates are making uh masks which frankly the members do not think are adequate masks so they have to go out and buy their own and um, local 2187 that represents most of the rank and file people went out and purchased masks to distribute to members because um, they weren't getting protective equipment from the city. The city was totally unprepared when it came to pre- equipment for this. What, what's the new norm as everybody comes back to work? Uh, and is this thing, you know, you know, I know you've been, you represent a lot of essential workers, but as far as safety goes, masks and gloves, what do you see coming, uh, like Joe Krause said in the, in the previous segment, what do you see coming in the next couple of months? Do you, do you see everybody going back to work wearing gloves, masks? Is that a long-term thing? What are you thinking? Well, I think they're going to have to re-tool um, how they even physically set up the workplace Uh, because uh, they have to maintain more social distancing than they have. People can't be um, sitting, you know, desk by desk uh, next to each other. That has to change. And I think the more that they can um, ramp up people working remotely, it reduces how many people have to be in the workplace at the same time. Uh, Also, I think that they have to be more flexible in Flex time. The city really hasn't been very receptive to um, people starting and ending time uh, being more flexible. So I, I think there are things that uh, has been resisted in the past, but there really needs to be a change so that fewer people are in the workplace at the same time. Um, 
which I think will help um, make people feel more secure that they're not on top of each other. Kathy Scott, finishing it up for us tonight here on Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor. As we come to you live every Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Kathy, thank you so much. It was great to get you on, and I hope that we do get the opportunity uh, to get you uh, back on uh, and do one of our um, one-hour shows uh, and spend the full show with you uh, as we roll forward here in 2020. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity to come on. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you for what you're doing for your members. Thank you. That's going to do it for this uh, week's edition of Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor. Again, special thanks to Kathy Scott. Thanks to Bill Ross. Thanks to Joe Williams. Thanks to John McNesby. And thanks to Pat Eiding for being here tonight. And, of course, we thank all of the listeners from around the Delaware Valley tuning in on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. On behalf of J-Doc, I'm Joe Krause. Stay safe, everyone. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor have been sponsored by Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, CWA, Communications Workers of America, and AFSCME Local 1739, DC 47. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.